0: Hey guys, brand new podcast. Today's podcast uh, is with Eugene Merman. Eugene is a comedian out of Brooklyn, a very talented comedian. Uh, he is the uh, the one of the voices on Bob's Burgers. I, we do not talk about that. So if you're tuning in to hear about that, you have tuned into the wrong fucking podcast. Uh, I've known of you, Eugene for a long time. We run in very different scenes. He is more like the New York now. Now not even New York. This it's a really interesting story. I saw a post of his online about a new documentary that he shot called, it was all, it started as a joke and it was really fascinating. A lot of the names in it were names I was familiar with. Some of them I knew, Dimitri Martin, uh, Michael Showalter, uh, uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, uh, uh, Mike Brabiglia, and some, I didn't know. Um, some, some, some are just like very famous comedians that I was like, Oh my God, Christian Shaw is fucking awesome. Uh, and so I wanted to watch the movie. I did not know what I was in store for. I tweeted him immediately and said, hey, where can I find this? And he sent me a link and he said, you know, you can find it on iTunes. So I bought it on iTunes. I watched it. And I, I mean, within the moment where I sent out that tweet, which was probably a week ago to the moment I finished watching it, um, I, wa- I, I was stuck to the screen. It's an amazing movie. It is a very, it's a very funny movie. Uh, documentary because it has all these fantastic stand-ups uh, doing stand-up on a festival Eugene would put together at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Uh, so you see a lot of comedy, but then you realize that the underlying tone of this special is more about uh, about life and e- Eugene's relationship with his wife and her battle with breast cancer and her battle with, with cancer in general and the raising of their son, uh, Ollie, I think is his name, or Oliver and and about life and about being a person and about struggle and it's an amazing amazing fucking movie that i implore all of you to check out you will laugh and if you're like me you're gonna cry and if you're like me you're gonna fall in love with eugene um i hope you enjoy this interview uh and that's all i gotta say i hope you enjoy this interview ladies and gentlemen without further ado eugene merman This is. Dude, I love the movie. Oh, love, thank you. I really really love the movie. I loved it for so many reasons. You know, it's it's a uh, First off, it's funny as shit. It really is fucking hilarious. I mean, who's the guy, who's the guy that tells the story about losing his father and his father going you, you Glazer, TV? John Glazer. John Glazer. Oh, John Glazer. God man, he I know who that is. He that was a fucking really great story. Um yeah. It really is it really was an a hilarious movie and then obviously at the end I'm so sorry. I'm really I'm so sorry for your loss. It I was I would I started crying. I, and I know you guys probably didn't expect that but uh but what so I want to get back I would like to start about the festival itself if you don't mind talking a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. So oh, what is that, what was the impetus, sorry. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what was the impetus to like To decide to do the festival,
1: you know, I can't remember. I think there was something happening in New York Like some sort of festival and I can't remember what it was Um, like meaning like not even a comedy like just something and It for whatever reason made me jokingly think of doing a festival just called the Eugene Merman comedy festival and me and Julie who Directed the movie and then also produced the festival and Mike Birbigli after a show were joking around and I said I was gonna do uh, the Eugene Merman comedy festival and you know, and that was sort of like I was kidding, and we weren't going to do it. And then I think like days later, Julie and I were like, "That would be pretty funny to do." Like, I wonder if that's like possible. And uh, Union Hall was opening this new space called Bell House. Um, you know, in whatever it was at the time, like months later. And so, over a period of weeks, I think we just decided to do it and tried to think of funny stuff and you know, you know, kind of do silly shows. And then it was this one-off. Um, thing that we thought we would do and we did like I feel like the like second to last day we were somewhere and ran into like a guy who had like a stretch limousine and we're like would you like to drive people back to the subway from this venue if like if we hire you for four hours or whatever and like we were just doing sort of weird silly stuff and then you know probably sometime like four months after the first festival we were like oh should we do it again like that was pretty fun and then we kind of you know kept adding things and doing silly stuff and you know i think also that first year julie she had been working on i think a show called wonder in i think that's the show she was working on um and she had met uh john oates and so she asked him john oates you- from like holo notes exactly so she was <laughs> like hey would you want to be a special guest on this comedy show i'm doing and so we had like the like john oates was our musical guest um on like our last show of the first year and for the he did basically two songs and some stories in between and for the first song everyone thought it was fred Armisen, and then in the middle they were like oh that's wait no that's john oates like that's john oates singing uh songs um so we just you know so sort of the spirit of all that like we just kept kind of doing it you know year after year and then at some point julie moved back to massachusetts and then i did the same thing and it became clear that sort of like producing a festival where at one point people could basically take the subway or hop in a cab and be at bell house and you know it w- it was not a big deal like eventually it was like oh, okay now like you're flying people in and putting them up and you know where the whole thing is just this sort of like i mean it's very fun but it's also like a, both a lot of work and kind of scrappy um so it was like a lot and then as we moved it was like well this feels like a little hard to do a festival in another city that
0: we now have to travel to <laughs> um i'm curious I'm, I'm i'm fascinated by what i will i will call the alternative comedy scene it's it is oddly enough it's not the comedy i do i would argue i would argue i would very alty, but uh, it's the comedy I enjoy watching, probably mm-hmm. the most. Um, and I and I would say that to the passerby, I don't think someone like, say I'll say my dad, but my dad would just say, funny's funny. You know, like yeah. Bill Burr is just as funny as, say, uh, John Glazer. They're both sure. hysterical comics. But, but I think both me, you and I know that there is a difference. There is a...
1: The, uh, yeah, I mean, sort of. I think it's, in a sense, like music, like in the sense of... I mean, you. you, Lots of people like different genres of music, but ultimately, I kind of.
0: I mean, I think the way it was always for me is it's John Prime. I started in kind (laughs) of the early. Say it again. I was gonna say it's like John Prine versus Hank Williams
1: Jr. (laughs) Yeah, versus a different like uh, psychedelic folk rock. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Matter like. The idea that somebody was like i only like pink floyd and if it's not pink floyd i don't (laughs) like it like that seems like a crazy person to me yeah um but uh you know when i started doing comedy which was basically the early mid 90s um you know a lot of like the like the like all the comedy clubs that had existed in the 80s i mean i was also just like 18 like you know a lot of them We're winding down with only a handful surviving and I was in a sort of rural place in college And so I would just do stuff on stage and if it worked it became my act and if it didn't I either changed it or got rid of it And sort of that ethos is what I kept doing I mean and still do like where i'll just try a thing and if it works great and if not, whatever um, and so you know, that to me is is what I think a lot of people ended up doing, you know, in a lot of and I, and I think a lot of people incorporate those things down. I think if you also like go to like Edinburgh or go to like the UK and play, you know, places where like, you know, comics draw thousands and thousands of people, they do a lot of kind of stuff that's like not like solely you know, I guess joke storytelling, but still it's like, even I'll do a lot of things that are like, here's the setup. I wrote an angry letter and I bought an ad in a newspaper with my angry letter to a town. And now here's 50 jokes that I'm just, I'm reading, but it's 50 jokes in a row. So it's like, I don't know, think of it as alternative or not. Like, I don't think it matters much personally. Um, Like, I think like Jim Gaffigan is just like an excellent standup who has just like excellent jokes, but he fits in just as much as anybody else.
0: Same as Berbiglia. I think Berbiglia yeah, exactly. is a, is a I've, I've, I saw him at the Tampa Improv. His act doesn't change. It's just no. a stamp of who they are.
1: Yeah. So I think it's just like, it's somebody's style. It's what they happen to be. I think, you know, maybe in the sort of transition of comedy clubs, partially going away, people moving more to theaters and then spaces that are like, you know, mixed use venues or music venues. Like, yeah, I guess I think at one point, alternative sort of impl- like implied, uh spaces that aren't comedy clubs because as comedy clubs went out of business people just had to find places to perform and ways to sort of relate um and that kind of created a world and now i think a lot of those people are you know as mainstream as anybody else so i think it's just like you know like nirvana is a very popular band but people think of it as alternative music so whatever that is
0: is like what you could say about any like dimitri martin or whatever I started. I started with Dimitri Martin. We did the same open mic together. Oh, wow. yeah, Very Boston true. Comedy Club. Yeah, the um, it's uh So, take me back to when you started, because I didn't start until until I was twenty six. I'm forty seven now, but oh, okay. so I didn't start. And then when I started, I started in the alt rooms, like I say, alt rooms, Surf Reality, yeah, um, Luna, Collective Unconscious. Like that's where I would. That's the only place I could ever get up. But I really fucking bombed. I mean. I was so bad, and then and then I got a job working the door at the Boston Comedy Club, and then kind of found my home there. But where I'm curious because you started at a very interesting time when before, way before me, mid 90s is when Janine was kind of coming up, and like that, and Marin, and that was already yeah. I mean,
1: they were. I mean, meaning like I was in college, so like I literally, when I say started, I mean like I did a like an. I mean, I don't know if it was a bringer show or an open mic like at a comedy club in Harvard Square And then I would perform at like coffee houses in college and
0: you went and to Emerson, of, right?
1: I went to Hampshire college. Um, Hampshire college And 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 I went to actually Hampshire college where you could design your own major So I designed a major of comedy and my like final project was a one-hour stand-up act that I wrote and promoted and produced and you know, like I faxed press releases to newspapers and just did whatever I could to make it a thing, and it and it worked out, and I think that's where like a lot of the things I did there are are sort of the ethos I took to a career of like trying to figure out. You know, I always found it much easier to create my own space than try to break into what existed. You know, because all I really needed was an audience. Like all you just needed
0: is like forty people to show up to a thing, and you had a show. That's, um, that's that is uh that is yeah. I mean I, the, one of my uh, best friends is a comedian. Uh, tom segura and his his uh his his i remember being in a different path with him than him saying you don't need the club you just need people to show up yeah i could not wrap my fucking head around that i was like i mean you could have either
1: like i don't like like honestly however you make it and the ideal probably is some version of both is like what's fine i mean my only goal was to do comedy in whatever way as like a job full time and so the way i found it to be easier was to make my own things and to have my own shows. And then, you know, and, and then doing some of those shows. And then through that, I got a booking agent who was actually a music booking agent. And so I did like a
0: tour with Modest Mouse in Florida. And that was not easy. The best fucking live show I've ever seen in my entire life is Modest Mouse. I saw it at the Hollywood, it's the greatest show, the greatest live show I've ever fucking seen. I like to the point where I have always said, What's your favorite live show? Do I saw Cold War Kids and they sucked so bad. They were a studio band that did not move around on stage. All sat in chairs. Fucking Modest Mouse was so amazing. I want to talk to you about the bands you've opened for because you've opened for my favorite bands ever. But I want to go back to so 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 when you started, you started in college. What was your move like to New York? What was I moved to Boston? Oh, you moved from
1: college. I went to Boston, um, and then I did comedy there for a while. Uh and me and and brendan small Um, who did did the show home movies and Metalocalypse. and that's also where I met lauren bouchard who worked at on dr Katz at the time and eventually made, uh, bob's burgers And before that lucy daughter of the devil Um, and so I moved to boston and there, you know, I started doing uh, I started doing a weekly show like at this place in Cambridge on like Thursday nights at 11 p.m. But it was, you know, we did it for like 9, 10, 11 months. And it was in a sense fairly successful, um, but not as successful as eventually uh, like the, the sort of Irish music show that replaced it. But then I started doing a <laughs> comedy studio, which at the time was in Harvard Square on the third floor of a Chinese restaurant and now is in in Somerville it, like as its own club. But I did a show there every week with Brendan Small and Patrick Borelli um, and Patrick now is a writer for for Fallon and has been for a long time um, so yeah, we uh, We we did that show and I you know there I auditioned for Conan several times over a period of years and, and eventually from there Got like got a set on Conan. I did Aspen I think in 2000 maybe from from that yeah. from from Boston and uh, then. And I'd always kind of thought, like, maybe I'll get a job in New York in comedy and then I'll move. And then I, it became clear, like, that is not a thing that would ever happen. And then if I really wanted to do comedy, I had to move to New York. Well, New York or L.A., but I didn't really know L.A. And I'm not even sure if I had a, I might have just gotten a driver's license. Um, so I. Uh, so, yeah, I,
0: I moved to New, Then I moved to New York after like three or four years in Boston. And where did you start going up at New York? Did you did you did you instinctually say, "Let me find the places that are a tad bit offbeat," or did you go, "Well, fuck it, uh, stand up New York"? Uh, I try. Uh, I would do sets. I mean, I used to when I was in college go to Stand Up New York to bringer shows.
1: Um, that's I think where I first met Bobby Tisdale and Eighty Miles and, and Zach Galifianakis, and I and um, I had read about Luna Lounge when I was still in college and went to see shows there. And I would go to surf reality. Like I would take a trip from college or Boston and like do a set at surf reality at like two or three AM or whatever the hell it was, you know? And I would do those things. And then eventually when I first moved to Boston, so when I first moved to New York, I had um, I had already done Conan and Aspen, which wasn't enough for anyone to like me, but was enough to like maybe like do a set on some, on random like sort of alt shows that were pretty good. And Patrick Barelli had a show at the Gershwin Hotel, and I would come and do that.
0: Is that the wait? Hold on. Is that the one where you had to walk up the flight of stairs in the back? It was like a. It was maybe an- it wasn't like a high flight, but there was like it was like a hotel or a hostel or something with like and maybe like glass French kids. You get like whatever. a ton of French kids in there, and there's a piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Okay, I, mean, I did that just room. do yeah. So, so, so I would just do, you know, whatever I could in a way, and then, and then, um, you know, I and and then like through whatever all those sorts of shows like. Uh I had a manager for a little while named Marla Ratner, who before she left um, management, she also worked with the Stella guys, and I got on to like their Fez show. And then from that, like, you know, toured with them a little bit. And there were just like lots of little things where, but, but all of it involved me trying to have, like, you know, a 10 minute set that killed, you know, like I was trying to have a set that you could you know that that, like however weird or whatever it was no it was something that would essentially kill and then you could
0: open for people or have a small spot on this show and do well i'll tell you the three things that strike me right now and like and i think for anyone listening they should know i've known who you are for probably 15 18 years Uh, i i don't think we've ever actually met and i don't think that we've ever run into each other but i've known who you are and and and, and I've, I've i remember i love i love your stand up i just it's just it, it really is marches to a beat of its own drum but not out of here's what's here's what's striking me about you you're someone who has always kind of moved upwards but you don't look like a fucking networker you don't look like the typical handshake comic in the back of the room hey man you need an opener hit me up you don't look like that guy you and you're not that guy i don't and i know you're not actually not that guy and you're also, what strikes me is that you got, I didn't become passionate about stand up until I was doing it. Like, meaning I, everyone told me I was funny. I tried it. And then I was like, oh fuck, this is more than what I thought it was. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like, you know, getting into uh, viruses and then going, oh shit, there's all these viruses that like, like, you're like, oh my God, I didn't know like, that about this. Dimitri Martin was the one that really opened my eyes. And I remember he told me about Attel and Hedberg and I didn't know anything about that. Now I'm obsessed. And, but, but more importantly, you also strike me as, and and this is something that has always escaped me as a guy who's just trying to get your 10 minutes, which we all were trying to get, but I always, you're not, you're not, you never, you you never were doing it out of like, I want to be different. You were like, Hey, this is the way my brain operates and this is all I can make and I can't do it differently yeah that's
1: the sort of like I did I mean, you know, I've done a lot of tours opening for Flight of the concords and and like the last tour I did like now a year and a half or two ago was in the u k at like you know arenas, like giant places and i uh, and and I did some of that also here in the states, and I remember doing a show uh in Chicago, it must have been like twelve thousand people or something, and I did an interview, and they were like, well, what do you do? like what's the stand up you do?' like on that show as opposed to like some like a club or something like that. And, and I mean I was like, oh I just do you two covers if we're playing venues that big, but <laughs> but also it's like the idea that I have an act that kills for twelve thousand people and I refuse to do it for three hundred people is so absurd. Like I just I have the stand up I have and I and and the truth is in a in a reasonable environment, like once your joke works, it kind of works in most settings. Like yeah, yeah would it work with like, you know, very drunk people who are angry. I don't know. I try not like to avoid the worst situation, but in a reasonable situation, if you have a joke that kind of works, it works largely across venues and across spaces. And, you know, the point is you develop a thing that's funny. Like whenever anyone asks me for advice, I just tell them like, you should just be funny. Like, I don't know. I can't, I can think of so few people who have like, 45 minutes to 60 minutes that kills that aren't a professional comedian. You know what I mean? Like, like who can get on stage and kill for 45 minutes and then isn't essentially a full-time comic. So, so I feel like that should be the goal and everything else, uh, will come as long as you're like a pretty reasonable, effective person who's not a lunatic. And even that could be a bit of a lunatic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I loved watching, uh, Janine set. I'm I'm like the first in your movie. Uh yeah. the first person I ever really kind of connected to comedically cuz I didn't I never knew I never understood how to write a joke. I don't I still have a hard time writing jokes. Um was Janine and w- I love I watched her she would say bomb in Montreal one one year and it was my favorite set ever. And I was yeah. like and she was so embarrassed by it. And I went, that's what you do. That's why people like you like when she right. loses well, also, it yeah. i mean her set in the in the film is
1: really it's, funny like she's hilarious it's really really funny she's really funny and i know that she doesn't think of herself as like a joke writer but like i, I don't know i mean i i think it's like i i guess except for like she has setups and punchlines and they kill and if it comes naturally to her like that's amazing but it's still a set that that's the thing a lot of this stuff like it 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 kills like it's very funny
0: yeah. Oh, you know, I, I I mean
1: in some of it, yes. Sometimes you watch somebody bomb and it's also very, very funny. But know? no, but
0: it wasn't even it wasn't even her bombing. It was just her doing a crowd for an audience that was set up in a warehouse for a taping that wasn't ready for comedy. And yeah. she was fucking fantastic. And right. everyone loved it that was there for comedy. Those people that came in to be on TV hoping they'd get on TV that sat yeah. in an audience, they weren't paying attention. Right. I right. love the line where she goes, comedies, comedies objective and then she goes no it's not <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah so when did you when did that what what was the what was the first group of comics you met hung out with became your tight-knit group and when did you guys kind of form because it seems like you have a great group of friends and like and comics that are all in my opinion the funniest human beings like across it's very different to be a very funny guy on stage and be able to fuck a stool which i can do very well and then take that and make that humor into a television show or an animated series. I'm being serious. You can fuck a stool on, on uh, like, for 22 minutes every week and make that a show that is impressive. Uh, Tommy, Tommy John again. Tommy, you know Tommy John again? Um, of him, yeah. Oh, yeah. he is so fucking funny. And he wrote, uh, tweeted last night, uh, right now there's a stool on stage going, wait, no one's fucked me in a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: um well there was like yeah when did you guys kind of for me like there was like boston where i met like you know jen kirkman and brendan small and patrick borelli and in various comics um and then comics who would come through like ron lynch who would come to do like dr cats and stuff and then moved to new york and then some of those same people like jen and patrick were in new york and you know eventually met like leo allen and dimitri martin and then also people who had been doing comedy for much lo-
0: longer like like the stella guys um leo allen made me spit beer out of my mouth in uh in uh, collective unconscious which one did uh, reverend jen do i think collective unconscious yeah his joke was um the other day my roommate called or my i walked in my roommate said do you know this joke my roommate uh, said, not yet hey uh oh now i'm gonna fuck it up it was the point was he goes i i told you you that your mom called, right? And he goes, no, you didn't tell me your mom called, my mom called. And he goes, no, I did. She said that your dad died. He goes, "Uh, I definitely would have remembered that. And he was like, no, I did. And he's like, really, what did I say? And he said, you said, oh my God. And he goes, oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> 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 By the way, Leo Allen's a guy like, like yourself that I know of, like I'm a fan of, I've known yeah. of for my entire career, but never met really. Just oh, yeah, not, He's super funny. He well. now
1: lar- largely like showruns stuff um and like he did uh Nathan for you and is doing another show that i'm sure is on hiatus now um uh but uh yeah so so there was like that group and then there was also like Kristen Schaal and Kurt Brownuller and Kimale and then like you know i mean it i think the Kimale's start- the group action group. star right is that the so guy we are talking about i mean yeah. now yeah <laughs> but he's a super funny stand up he's brilliant man he's yeah uh, he's he's incredible like we toured together a ton and yeah, Kristen. Um, and then like I think a lot of us would, you know, in Wyatt Cenac, and just like over time you meet sort of more and more people and then you, you know, you gravitate towards and hang out with and like work on stuff. And there was also a lot of people like like Julie Smith who who directed the film and produced the festival, who I originally met at Tinkle, which was the show that uh uh David Cross and, and Todd Barry and John Benjamin did for, for week for years at the Lower East Side. And Julie worked at, on that show with Lisa Gang, who was at the time worked at like NBC and then Comedy Central as like an executive. And so like there were all these friendships that you would form with people who you naturally gravitated towards to work with.
0: That's
1: um, crazy. Yeah. And so now, that's do you, sort of, yeah.
0: Do you still, do you still drink?
1: Um. Uh, yeah, not. But were, not, you ever, were you ever a big boozer? I would say like I drank a lot like in my, in my, 20s um but i mean i have a kid now and i don't like don't go out and stuff so
0: like i got two kids i still fucking booze the uh i i haven't drank in 21 days on this fucking quarantine but that's just just because it's awkward to be the one guy drinking jack at your house yeah um, yeah so um now what were your parents like well your parents are both russian correct yeah and i am like i was born in russia you were born in russia Moved when you were four so, I'm. I mean, obviously, I have a huge tie to Russia. So I'm curious. What was the where were you where? Where did you guys move initially, and where were you from initially? I want to know everything. I want to know fucking everything. Like, who came? Why did you come? Like, did, did your grandmother come? Like, was, I mean, eventually.
1: Way- so like we. So in,
0: uh you know,
1: like basically, I was for Like me, my brother, and my parents immigrated to America. Older or younger? Um, so, uh, older. Uh, okay. 6 years older. What's um, his name? Give oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, Eugene favorite. or Zhenya is what my Russian name is and uh um or the formal is Yevgeny, but uh my
0: driver is one of my my Uber drivers Yevgeny and we talk in Russian in the car my Russian's horrible, but uh okay. but I love it's one of my favorite names Yevgeny.
1: Yeah, so so we came and the way you do it is so so um Like you go from you, I think like you get, like you get permission to leave Russia. There was like basically a window where like to appease America, I think Russia was letting Jews out. And so we were fortunate enough to be part of that sort of window. And you go from Russia to I think Austria for a few weeks. And then from there you move to a town in Italy for like four months, five months. And then eventually you go to uh, America or, or whatever country. Like I think initially when we were leaving, maybe the idea was that we would go to Israel, but Mm. not really. Or like maybe that's like you need an invitation. So we had an invitation for my dad's sister to come and like reunite a family. But my mom's uh, uh, brother was in America, and so we we ended up coming here. Um, However, fun it would be to be Israel's greatest alternative comedian. Uh, (laughs) 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 Um, So then we came here. uh, Where did you? uh, Where? Where from in Russia? Mo- Moscow, oh yeah, and uh, then and then and then and then, li- and then we got and then we lived in uh, Brighton for a year and a half and then moved to Lexington, oh. Mass.
0: Okay. Um, uh, what now? What was um, what you, this is before the wall uh, dropped? Oh yeah, yeah. Obviously. This is like
1: like seventy nine eighty.
0: Seventy nine eighty. Holy yeah. shit! You have do you have any memories of Russia? I don't remember Russia. I think actually the
1: only memory I have, uh, in a sense, is the smell of black currant because at some point I was like, oh, this is really familiar. And my mom was like, oh, we had like black current, like uh, bushes in, in basically our dacha, which was actually like, I think um, um, like basically built on, it would have been like a swamp or mud, but my grandmother figured out how to like drain it because her and my grandfather were like en- engineers. Really? And so yeah. your dad was an engineer in Russia? But my my dad was, but my grandfather, my grandfather like built, I think, like he was uh, an engineer for the army. I mean, everybody in communism works for the government, but uh, he built, I think, one of the two airports in Moscow that's still there. And also maybe like a lot of like big buildings there. Um, and my grandmother run, ran like, I think, rubber production for Russia
0: wow and so your your family obviously wasn't fans of russia there right or were they thinking there were just a, it was a better opportunity to move here yeah i mean i think that it's in general i mean
1: like yeah i think in general jews and communism each in their own way in russia just was like not great and so um i i think i mean like our phones were tapped like at some point my Mom was on the phone and as she was hanging up, she all of a sudden heard a high-pitched re- rewinding sound in the conversation she had just had, like, you know, in high speed. Um, and and that could have been anything from an accident or, like, a, a way to scare somebody. And I know that, uh, like, our home was searched because they thought my dad had books he wasn't allowed to have. Um, and I think those sort of things together, like, freaked out my parents and they, you know, I think eventually decided that it would be better to come
0: here. What was it? Were you aware of the transition that your parents had to go through now as an adult with a child? Were you aware of the transition that your parents went through as a kid, like going, God, this must be tough. Or were you just going like, I'm trying to American. I mean, as a kid, I don't know if I fully
1: understood. And it was, you know, sort of the cold war and it was sort of weird to be like Russian from the cold war during the cold war. But yeah, I mean, I think to a degree, my parents doing that, is kind of what made me think that doing something like stand-up or like tr- like having a strange goal and attaining it is, is very reasonable. Like, I think that they're, like them moving in their, you know, 30s and 40s to a new country and starting a completely new life with two children is, is, is amazing. Like, and I know lots of people do it and-
0: it's, I, um, but, but, I mean, both of us can imagine, especially, yeah. you know, things have shifted now, but I can't imagine picking up my family and starting over it's yeah. over it's I, i'm always impressed by by people like your father and your mother in from my perspective because i just grew up straight american very yeah. much integrated white american very much privileged so the idea that you would come from a different country not know the language and then go all right guys we're up and running
1: yeah yeah so that so i've always so i don't know i i can't recall to what degree i Appreciated or didn't like the difficulty of that, but I very much like have in the in decades since being a kid. I think, yeah. Um, I mean, at the time it was like I was just trying to sort of survive. Um, yeah, was it tough integrating into schools? Yeah, I mean, I think like at first, uh, I feel like when I entered first grade, I think the teacher was like, Who, oh, because uh, like you were the in fucking enemy,
0: you were like, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. that we thought you guys were robots. Like, I remember yeah, yeah. thinking you guys had wooden-soled shoes with, uh, like, like really rough pants. Like, I remember the, what, the way yeah. they taught us about Russians. Yeah,
1: so I, so I mean, I think the teacher was like, who went to school last year? And I raised my hand and was like, I didn't. I didn't live in one. And then everyone was like, ooh, this little weird kid with his <laughs> accent is the enemy. Um, but, like, when I was in sixth grade, I remember somebody blaming me uh maybe third grade whatever it was like w- when uh when the russians shot down the korean airliner like everybody was like you shot down this airplane like you killed all those people and i was like i really didn't they're like <laughs> yes you did um uh, so there's like a lot of that a lot of like commie i mean you know so there was there was like uh, th- though after 10 11 years however much it was like by like 11th 12th grade like a lot of that stuff dissipated but a decade of it does wear you down a bit um You know, so yeah, it was it was hard But we also moved to a town that didn't have a ton of russian people like we had some russian friends I think partially with the hope of assimilating And you know, I don't know like in a sense I would say it worked now like Decades later, but at the time it was it was sort of it was hard. When did you lose your accent? I don't know. Um, I I have no idea like I also I know that I started speaking english like there was like a social worker that would come and help and like sort of check on us and how we were doing and progressing. Like this is when we were still in Brighton. And I think like six months into us being in America, like she came and all of a sudden I started speaking English to her and like everyone was like, how do you know English? Like I think I was just watching TV and learn English the way like a
0: child, you know, like,
1: you know, in a sense
0: like how any like three-year-old weirdly can speak. Do you think think any of that, Any of that will rub off on your parenting when you talk to your son and you go, when I was your age, I was learning English for the first time.
1: (laughs) No, no. I feel like everybody has like whatever hardships they have. And I don't think I would ever
0: be like, I do it nonstop to my kid. I'm, I'm a really shitty parent. Like I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I feel like, uh, I'm just trying to get through it. So like,
1: maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Like once he's 14, and he's like, my like my cell phone and my, you know, magic car don't work, then I'll be like, okay, well now you need
0: to cut it out. Is he, um, is he four right now? He's yeah, he's three and a half. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's crazy. That's when you moved to from Russia. The you, a little bit. Yeah, he's like a little
1: younger, but yeah. yeah um, starting well, in half a year, I'll be like, You don't get it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you did you did you ever commiserate with your brother? How much older is your brother? He's six years older. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. It's like,
1: I mean, we're very close now. I mean, at the time, like, you know, he would be in like the next school. And then like, when I was sort of getting to high, like high school or even junior high, like he went to college, like not getting to, but like when I was in like eighth grade, like he was heading to college.
0: So what were your, what, like growing up, growing up in, I, and I, I apologize that I keep harping on this, but I, I'm always fascinated by, and and for lack of better words, I'll say an immigrant's journey. Like the. And I, I think our best friends uh, are Vietnamese. And our my my wife's best friend, and arguably one of my best friends, is uh, was was a straight up like had to take a ship here from Vietnam mm-hmm. and was shitting in a bucket and moved to Boston when Boston was overtly racist. Not not that they're I love Boston, but overtly racist yeah, yeah. with Asians. Yes. And so I'm always fascinated by the things she sees in life, or what. Her journey was as a child, because once again, I think it's important for someone like myself who grew up without a ton of struggle to see what struggle was. What was the first band you were like? You were like, oh yeah, this, like I'm going to go out and buy a tape or a CD. Oh, that was probably
1: Aerosmith. I mean, I was in Boston and a lot of the music I got was through my brother. So it was like a lot of classic rock. Um, I mean, it's also funny because like at the time, it's a band that's like nine years old, but if you're like 12 years old, you know what I mean? Not even like meaning there's something really funny now to be like, Oh, I was into this old band and it's like that band (laughs) like started a handful of years ago and they took like a three year hiatus. Like you, you, like, you know, uh, so anyway, yeah, I think it was, uh, could have been Ares, but done with mirrors. Could have been my, maybe before that. I mean, it might have been some of their earlier stuff, actually. uh um, Jay Giles.
0: Jay Giles was mine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jay Giles. Um, the first album I ever bought was Juice Newton. Like Juice Newton playing with the Queen of Hearts. That was like my song. And mm-hmm. then uh and then Jay Giles was the first tape I bought. Like I went out and bought a tape. I was a big fan I, of Kiss though too. Yeah, I had like a uh, t- like a tape that I taped stuff. I think off the radio, but I, which had
1: like, I think, uh, God, maybe Money for Nothing. I think like. Van Halens, maybe California Girls and I think uh, like and maybe born in the USA. Like I think it was like three songs. And then I also had a tape of like Russian folk music and like mostly that's what I would
0: listen to. oh uh, man, when I was in Russia, uh I learned uh, to play a lot of Russian folk music on the guitar. And uh oh, Really? Oh yeah, and I oh, wow. and it was one of my, it was one of my favorite things ever. And I wish I there's one song that was such a great fucking song. I wish I still remembered it, but I don't. Um was did your brother have a, a strong accent considering he was 6 years older?
1: I mean, as a kid, I don't really remember. Like, right now, we don't really have accents. Um, Do you talk in Russian to them? Uh, we talk in English, but when we're with, like, my parents or other people who, like, speak Russian more than English, then we speak in Russian.
0: Are your parents both still alive?
1: Yes. Oh, nice. In in same same town? Uh, no, they moved to uh, Newton. Um, but they're, like, in the same area. They left, like, they had a house, and
0: they're, like, in an apartment, which is much easier. And did your dad drink? No, not really. I mean, that's like so the holidays. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I, I feel like every Russian man I knew drank hard as fuck. I feel like I mean, I mean, I'm sure that that is like, like. But so, yeah, there's yeah, that's it's a broad stroke of, of going like every Russians and alcoholic. Yeah, I
1: feel like the like my parents' friends not particularly like. Not to say that like there wouldn't be like, you know, holidays and people would do. I mean, there's like a like what what I remember much more of is like people. Doing like small, like not shots, like the way you would think of it, but like much smaller in a sense of like sort of doing toasts.
0: There was so, a, like, there were like 26 It wasn't traditional toasts in, that we used to do. I think and yeah. When so, there, it was like it was like all night long, and it was just another one. And but they were real tiny.
1: Yeah, so it was that. But like, there's no bars in the town I grew up in, and no one went to bars, and and like no one like um. Yeah, I guess, like, I, I don't know, like, I can't speak to it, but, but yeah. offhand, I don't think that that, like, that was never a thing for my parents or, like, their friends that I was aware of
0: Yeah. offhand. Yeah. Okay. What, um, <clears throat> so, so, bef- when when you, you met your wife, you were living in New York, correct? Yep. Yeah.
1: And yeah, uh, the, she actually
0: grew up in
1: the town I went to college in. Oh, but, for real? Yes. But we met in New York.
0: Yeah. Oh, Okay. Was you ever a thought of moving to LA? I mean, in a
1: sense, I'd say not really. Like, meaning I, I always kind of figured that I would stay in New York or potentially move back to Massachusetts. Um, we'd considered it, and, uh, you know, it wouldn't have been impossible. But I think also, like, as she got sick, it seemed like that would make no sense, and it made much more sense to move <laughs> home and be near family. Um, but I, in terms of a career, like, I... Could, you know, with everything I wanted to do I could do in New York, and now largely a lot of what I want to do I can do in you know either Somerville or here in Cape Cod, um, and so, you know, it's like I can record. I record Bob's out of Boston from a studio. We, we record in three cities at the same time, where we're on oh, an do, you do, do you do it live? Yeah. We do it live. Yeah. So that's so we actually do it all together live. Yeah, which is not I think a common way to make a TV show, but
0: really so now who who created who created that show was that uh lauren bouchard Lauren bouchard i keep want, i keep going back to john benjamin yeah so
1: he's so he's i mean he's been in every project of lauren's yeah uh, i believe but um he's yeah a fucking but fascinating dude he's really really funny but but like lauren actually so when he created the show we worked on this like eight minute demo for i don't know two years or something like that like going into the studio recording and re-recording and then, like after literally like working on this thing for years, Lauren called us and was like, "It's been picked up. Like we're making. I think at the time it was nine episodes, maybe, maybe thirteen. I forget." Um, and so we got picked up for a very small number of episodes,
0: and you know, started started doing that. That's uh, that's yeah. My daughters, uh, my daughter Isla loves it, and I, well, I I sat down one day and I'm watching it and I go, God, I recognize these voices. So I yeah. go on and then I'm like, "Shut up, these are all the fucking comics I love."
1: Yeah, it's all largely stand-ups and a lot
0: of the guests often are too. What was the, what were the projects you did that got away from you? Like meaning the ones that you did that you're like, "God damn, it was so good and no one got it."
1: Uh, I mean, you know, I don't necessarily even look at it that way, but um, you know, I did a pilot for Comedy Central that had a lot of really funny stuff that like if it had become a TV show, I think would be would have been a pretty funny sort of on tv show um do you feel like the industry has gotten you i mean sure like meaning like i don't even i get to make the things i make and then you know like i made a super weird album five years ago but it's recouped so i don't know sure (laughs) like you know what i mean
0: like uh i feel like i feel like some of us some of us when we start you get put in a box of what they see you as and what and what they expect out of you yeah and 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 i always wonder, like if you could if you if guys like yourself, John Benjamin, John Glazer, Dimitri, get forced into a box of, because you are so original, you get forced into a box where you can't just bring in something that is just really funny. It's got to be like, and then they all live in an eyebrow, you know?
1: Right. Well, I feel like I do remember people very early on, like in 2000, 2001, being like, oh, you're funny, but I have no idea what to do with you. But that's fine. Like, they don't, like, everything ended up, you know, so much like changed in terms of like the internet and how much content there could be in the world and that you could make your own podcast. Again, I always found it easier to make my own things, So it's not like I needed someone to be like, okay, how can we make a show where you're like an off kilter neighbor? It's just more like now I, you know, I uh, am on various projects and a lot of it is also friends like Concords was that I met them and they wrote me in as Eugene into <laughs> their show. And same with like Glazer was somebody who was, you know to like uh, around doing a lot of stuff and then when he made the show delocated, you know I played like a hitman in this like short little five minute demo and then it sort
0: of like developed and and then I was sort of part of that show but the a lot of it time, was, like, the whole time I watched John Glazer tell that story about his dad, I couldn't see his face because of his hat like yeah, I kept yeah. looking for I go who the fuck is this yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah so so i
1: think like i don't i mean yes people obviously get pigeonholed and i think if i was like auditioning for a lot of stuff and and that's like there was something i really really wanted um that i wasn't getting maybe that would be very frustrating but like for me i wanted to make this festival and a movie about it and i've made pilots for stuff and wrote a book and done a lot of albums but i feel like a lot of the projects i wanted to do were just sort of projects i wanted to do with friends and then if somebody wants to cast me in a thing that sounds pretty good too but i also remember like doing you know you know being in new york doing stand-up and being broke and like doing auditions for random you know sometimes it would work out like i was briefly in an i was in an episode of third watch i think in the very in the first few years of being in new york and uh like when i was i was temping still and then i got that um but i remember doing some audition it was like a commercial. And the audition was, it was for some DVD game. Like, that's how sort of old it was. It was for a game that was on DVDs. And the character, when I showed up, when I looked at, like, the sides, the character was a cross. They were looking for a cross between Jack Black and Robin Williams. And I was just, like, (laughs) it was, like, musical genres and endless characters. And I was just, like, this is, like, I can't believe I've taken, like, four hours or whatever it is to like come and be a part of this. Cause there's just no version where this is like, this is a terrible use of a way for me to like make any money. And so I, I think I, and that was also like coinciding with some of the things like touring with stellar, like doing shows where like when I went to modest mouse and could make like a few hundred dollars from a show, like, you know, once, once I could make like enough to basically cover rent that, that was like a big turning point for me.
0: What was it like, uh, Stella? By the way, I was a huge fan of the state. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, did you watch the state in college?
1: I did. I did. I watched the state in college. Yeah. And so when I started doing those shows and touring with them, that was incredible. That was so. Wait, fun. And, were you, when and, you, you, know, you met Joe them. Walter and I toured a lot together, and he um, was, you know, one of the producers of the movie and, and helped guide us
0: a lot. Um, but yeah, so when, were, when you met them, were did you? Do you have? I get awestruck i get i get i'm i'm, I'm starstruck by people I, I can't help it i it's yeah i'm very na- i just did an interview with adam sandler and i completely shit the bed like it really fucked it up but do, when you meet someone like the state and you're young and you just moved to new york and they and they like what you do, do it was you, very very exciting yeah i was are you, very are you like, cool in that moment do you get aw- i think it just depends
1: i think largely fine i think i sort of separate the two things but 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 very excited. Um, I think it just depends. I don't, yeah. Um,
0: what's I your favorite, know. what's your favorite state sketch? Do you remember? I, I don't know if I remember. Oh, I have like, a list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I haven't so, seen it in a
1: very long time, but it was something I watched like religiously in college, but that admittedly is,
0: I think like now the mid nineties. God, it's so far fucking long. It was like, it was the first, I would say it was my int- it was my introduction into comedy in that in that I I did not I did not find what Comedy Central was putting on su- super funny at the time. I right. found it well, very. Go ahead. Well, the state was I think MTV. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Comedy yeah. Central was doing stand up at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't get that. I didn't. I I didn't find. I found SNL funny, but it was like you know Sandler Farley. Of course, I found them funny. The state was the first thing where. Other people weren't laughing in the room, but I was dying, and I right. couldn't understand why. Like, maybe they had a sketch about eating Muppets that was really funny. Oh yeah, yeah. Show me far away. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the scary Muppet shows up in the wind. By the way, I can quote every st- skate ske- yeah, yeah. sketch yeah. ever, yeah. like ever. He was like, "They're like, what are we having for dinner tonight, Bill? Well, we're having Muppet. Wait, what Muppet? How do we get Muppet? And he goes, "It's very easy. I'll show you." I'm having a hard time with my ABCs, and then the Muppet shows up in the window. Oh, did you say? I mean, dude, I yeah. it it uh, it was it just was one of those things. And then I met them in Greece randomly. Oh, wow. um, yeah, we were backpacking through Europe, and I met David Wayne, who to this day thinks I played volleyball with him. I have no idea what he did with some guy that he played volleyball with, but man, that guy left a dent on his psyche. He's like, we played volleyball together every fucking time I've met David Wayne um and then worked with Michael uh Ian Black um I I I met Thomas Lennon and I I really haven't met many of them but worked with Jim Sharp who was one of the EPs on that back in the day and I just geeked out and then Jim Sharp sent me like a whole catalog of everything they had and I was like in fucking so what about tell me about my other favorite one of my other favorite fucking bands Modest Mouth what was it like touring with Modest Mouse? um well
1: it was both i mean you know it was so it was right before float on it was like the tour preparing for float On. for like the, they were you know in a sense about to blow up um it Wait, was did you
0: open it, for them when i saw them did you open at the was it at the greek
1: no 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 no. so this is probably before that like no, that's okay. what i'm saying it's like the album hadn't released we did something like 11 or 12 dates in florida and uh you know weirdly it was something like I don't know six or so of the shows were actually really fun and then like three or four were hard and then one or two were like w- were were just like there was like one or two that were really difficult where like people were just like yelling and like kind of crazy and it was really hot but you know it was it was pretty fun and it was it was a lot of like trial by fire where like i was you know i also had video and stuff i kind of did a lot of things where i thought like well people won't yell at a funny video and i and i was right people like i would do some stand up and show video and do some more show video and like it, it ended up working out pretty pretty well um it was pretty fun they were very sweet um yeah did you did you get a cocktail and watch the shows oh yeah yeah, yeah. it was really fun yeah oh. yeah it was great and they were also like all like Sort of two to five hundred seat clubs, like it was all pretty small, like cl- maybe closer to four or five or something. But but yeah, it was like this small tour to get ready for a bigger tour, and what inevitably Holy was shit. a really big album.
0: And so you were you listening? I mean, this sounds crazy. But were you listening to that album they were about to release? Was that what they were playing? Yeah,
1: I, I mean, that's what they were playing along with a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, Oh,
0: um, cool! So that man. was really
1: fun. I mean, and that was all through an agent that that booked them the time and then and was like she had actually. She used to go to those Tinkle shows um, and uh, she was like one time she was like, oh, would you want to open for the shins at Bowery Ballroom? And this is like, I don't know, 2002 or whatever it was. And I was like, yes, I would like to do that. Except then the funny part ended up being that like, you know, I wasn't listed. So it was something like one or two bands opening and then the shins were supposed to go on at 11. And then instead I came out to do 10 minutes of stand up. And people were like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> and, and they were sort of this like, good text got some ideas. <laughs> and, and then, yeah. And then like, they were sort of heckling. And then I was like, and then I think I said something like, I can't believe I'm being heckled by people who could get beat up by Bell and Sebastian. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of really turned everyone and they were kind of, oh, okay, like, this is, this is funny. And then they, they laughed. And I probably also showed a video. Like I probably did like, so i of stand up and showed a video and they were like, all right, that, that was fine. Um, so, so yeah. And then from there I started working with her and did for a long time. She was really great. Really great. What other the
0: bands did you work with?
1: I mean, th- that was like a lot of what I toured in terms of like through her, but then there's like, you know, I mean, unrelated to that, like Yola Tango would do these Hanukkah shows that have comics on their shows. And they also did, uh, they did a tour of, um, what's it called they did uh a tour of swing states with like different musical guests and comedic guests and so i did like a leg of that for like a week or two um i the, the first album i put out on the seattle label suicide squeeze um uh i ended up What well, i have that album i have that album what album Maybe. is that uh absurd nightclub comedy yeah i have that album and then uh john mccray from cake had heard it and he asked me if I wanted to then host their like th- their sort of tour with him, with Cake, Gogo Bordello, and Tegan and Sarah. Gogo so Bordello, I did a thing where I emceed that tour. But I would mostly like do stuff up front a little bit, you know, be- between like the the first and second band, and then by the time like it was like Cake was coming on, there was no like I couldn't do stand up. Like if I would go out, people would just chant Cake. And so I would just go out and introduce cake, but, but I could, but you could do stand-up up front, you know, and there were things like that, that like you would sort of learn as you did these things. And, and then I've done like, you know, I did a tour with Robin Hitchcock, which was more of like a split bill. Um, Cause he's somebody that I've really loved for a long time. And, you know, occasionally, and then I've, there've been other bands um, that I've done, uh, that I've done stuff with. I don't do it nearly as much now because also it's uh, it can be hard. to to do like it's but um it can also but at the time also it was really both fun and helpful you know i sort of was of the mind that you kind of take whatever opportunities you know you can and those were also a lot of pretty pretty fun tours i also did a tour with andrew bird and that was really great because his audience was really lovely like we would be in kind of you know mid-sized theaters sort of between one and two thousand people i would say and um, and the, his audiences were just really sweet,
0: what was the tour you did with Marin
1: and um Kindler Kindler? yeah, that was uh Mar- I think Kindler wanted to do the stand up tour stand up um, tour. and so it was the three of us uh driving around with them at the time, arguing who would who would tank their career more <laughs> that was that was like every day was like five hours of them debating, and now years later it 's obvious it was
0: Kindler. <laughs> your career it's you know the one side our punishment is that he's really really successful now <laughs> yeah Mark's punishment is that he gets recognized <laughs> um the one thing i find fascinating and 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 not to go back i think i think we can acknowledge this i think fans may acknowledge this is the differentiation between what I guess they would call bro comedy or what I do. I don't know what, I don't know what alternative comedy calls what we do, but there is a difference. You obviously, you, I mean, I'm sure you know that there is two, it is like two different scenes. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Uh, I mean, I know that there's lots of different scenes. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but I, one of the things that I've always been uh, jealous of is like, just how enmeshed um, scenes like, uh, the alternative scene, I, I guess I'll use that for lack of better words, is with music because, man, you you guys have just been dialed into like my favorite, like Jeff Tweedy has Fred Armisen. Uh, yeah. And obviously I know Fred Armisen and Jeff Tweedy have history like that. He, was Yeah, but also record.
1: like, that's
0: another band like, you know, but also Wilco, I remember when Wilco played,
1: like was the musical surprise guest on a Tinkle show and then eventually when they started Solid Sound, they had Hodgman book, you know, Comedy and they have like this comedy component of it. I think it's just also a lot of people sort of liking each other, is, is, yeah. is basically a lot of it.
0: I remember we, my tour bus driver uh was Jeff Tweedy's tour bus driver, and he was mm-hmm. like, Yo, we're in Chicago. uh Why don't we, why don't I call up Jeff Tweedy and see if he wants to come out to a show? And I was like, Nah. He was like, Why? I said, I don't need my favorite musician to not like me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think I'm going to pass. And he was like, For real? I go, Yeah. I was like, I, I know what comedy he likes and I don't do anything like it. And I the I'm I mean, I can't imagine him seeing me take my shirt off and being like, Okay, all right. <laughs> you never know. But it's 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 always been a fascinating, fascinating component of like uh of what was it, Robin Wright Penn? Is that who uh who's who's the woman that sang one? One is the loneliest um. I don't know,
1: but I believe you. I thank you. I just happen to
0: not know. Uh, she's she's big at Largo. She goes out and does Largo all the time. And you're like, hmm. all these great musicians have always been drawn to these comics that I'm, I'm a big fan of as well. But it's uh, I've always been yeah. like, like, like pounding my drum, going like, when, like, when, uh, what comic, what, like, hip hop guys are, are fans are, <laughs> like the interesting- baby Sting likes you. Is that helpful? No. Yeah. <laughs> <Big album. laughs> I sadly I'm past the point of needing anyone famous to like I was that was like my my feather in my cap was to get like a famous fan when I was younger uh-huh. I think I approached this business very differently than you did I think I'm where I'm now where you are where you were uh, when you started meaning when when I started I wanted I wanted to be accepted i didn't mm-hmm. I, well, I just wanted to be accepted i think that was what was so difficult for me mm-hmm. in places like surf reality and collective unconscious was that i, I very quickly was not accepted and it was like oh. i was the guy that was like like just looked at like I, I you don't you don't belong here and it was i would i would say i would argue it kind of was a strain on me and dimitri's friendship because Dimitri very quickly was accepted by everyone. I mean, I want to say, like, real quickly, he was like on tour with somebody. And I was, and I felt like I was the friend hanging out and kind of keeping him back. Like, I would go to the bar and hang out with him, have beers, and you could see Dimitri very quickly networking and making friends and talking about other shows. And I was just this other comic. And I was like, you know what? I got to do my own thing. I can't just be going to open mics with guys. I got to be the guy that goes to open mics by myself. Like, I can't be like, where's, where are these guys going? I'm going to go with them. And, uh, and then, and it's still very, you know, frustratingly, I think spent my time trying to get club owners to like me and doing funny bones and improvs and trying to get approval through the industry. And it was, I mean, that's totally a way to have a career. I mean, all I ever wanted is a career. And so the
1: way I did it was the way that seemed to make the most sense. And, and, also put the most control in my hands. So like, yeah, I, I didn't do that. You know, I, I, looked, getting I always on gave other people control. Yeah, yeah. So I guess for me, it was like getting on TV was hard, but like making your own album with a small indie label and making your own like website and, you know, all these sort of different things like that stuff you could control. Like you could make a video and put it online. Yeah. Which is, you know what I did, you know, like in the late nineties and, and early two thousands. And yeah, I didn't do that. When around because it was just like what can you do and that's what i would do so it was just you know a lot of times people would be like oh like would be like oh you're playing like rock clubs because it's you know cool or something and i'd be like yeah but also they pay way better than comedy clubs and you can do like one show instead of four like it i also did just not, simply did not understand makes that makes sense if you can get a hundred people to come you know, then you're in just a better place. Your split is just better. Um, And then you can kind of survive. So that's sort of a lot of what I was doing was basically whatever like made sense to sort of survive or a way to make money and also was enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I did not do that. I did. I I was under the impression of if a tree, I think you looked at the careers, if a tree falls in the woods, it still falls. And it doesn't matter if no one hears it, it's still falling and it fell. I was like, well no, people got to see it fall in order to know it fell. So I need the industry to approve of me and I need to book TV shows and pilots and and I think yeah. I, I was I was caught up in that so badly until I got until I lost everything and I was like, I was like fuck it. I I'm the only one that's paying the mortgage here. I'm the only one that's I'm the only dad in this house. I'm just going to do it my own fucking way. And I think that I mean if anyone's a comic listening to this, I would definitely follow your path before following mine. I fucking I'll give both a try for a decade, and I bet it'll be fine. <laughs> Segura was your path. He was like, he was like, fuck the clubs. I remember being being like, where are you getting this confidence from? Well, I don't even think like fuck the clubs. I just think like if you, like if that's where
1: you're, you know, if if like you're getting stage time. Like I remember people being like, I already have a low energy wordsmith, and I was like, I. Like, I don't know what you're telling me. I just want to do comedy. Like, so. A low
0: energy wordsmith. Is that what
1: they said? I think somebody said it. I couldn't tell if, I think they were actually maybe talking about Dimitri already. Like, they were like, I already have that. And like, what I need is. And I wasn't even exactly that. It was just sort of this odd thing. And I think they were just like, I don't get. Like, I know you were on Conan, but I don't get how what you're doing is comedy. Even though, like, to me, I was like kind of doing setup punchline, just a little weird or a little different, I guess um and you know it, it's it's it was also fine like i ended up finding my own path and i think that's just that was it wasn't even that the other way wasn't possible like could i have maybe developed a set and maybe like broken through into some clubs or something like that like possibly but it of course i it think didn't you're talented matter. like it was i guess i just didn't think it mattered and and in a sense you know that would bore out to be true
0: yeah i wish i had i wish i had Hung out just a little longer with Dimitri and listen to people as opposed to try to be heard. Does that make sense? Yeah, though it also seems like it
1: worked out fine for you. So it's sort of like, I don't know, whatever career, like the goal is sort of to start doing comedy and 10 to 15 years later be a comic. Yeah, you know? right. And so, like, I don't know, whatever way you learn that sounds fine if you know, if you start in a sense young enough.
0: And you're 40, 43? I'm 45, yeah. You're 45 yeah Does, um, so no i mean i'm i mean I'm, i've always been jealous of your hair thank you thank you i always i wish t- i wish it was fake and i could just like clip it off but no, <laughs> it's the greatest head of hair and it's got a great your back corner always here always looks like you just woke yeah. up.
1: yeah in the pandemic you can't get much of a haircut
0: <laughs> oh you're telling me yeah. so um so what's what's next for you what i mean what what do you plan on doing next as a fan i'm excited to see what you do next um, I mean, I,
1: I plan to work on more like sort of projects with, um, uh, my friends that I made my last record with and do maybe some like kids things and also just like more kind of, uh, you know, weird audio projects. And then also write a new hour of stand up as well as, um, working on like an animated show with, with a few other friends, um. I might try to do another book. I don't know. Like I, right now I'm like literally just trying to get through the pandemic. Um, yeah. so, so it's sort of, you know, I'm kind of trying to just have my like life have order and a bit of a routine and then we'll focus more on comedy stuff.
0: 2020 um, has been a fucking dick show for you so far.
1: Yeah. It's not the it's not like the, the be- best year, but also I just like, you have to sort of get through it. So yeah. Right now I- I'm just trying to get through it. So it's not like, there's anything i don't know i mean i have things i'd like to do things i'd maybe be working on to try to like create a semblance of like you know normalcy but uh so we'll see but yeah working on projects with friends which is largely what i do in general i ha- i used to have a podcast with audible that was really fun to do so i would like i might try to do a podcast again but again in like years down the line um i might try to help like uh, other comics put out records and things like that so i don't know we'll, we'll
0: see i'd love to i mean I, I know it's not uh i know that you probably have a lot on your plate but i would love to hear a podcast by you i mean it's I, I would say you know the closest i've ever the closest i've ever gotten in my career to you know being where you were when you started where you said fuck it i'm gonna do this myself was my podcast it's one of the greatest things i've ever i've ever done i have three now i have four technically but um I, I love the do-it-yourself. I love that no one can take it away from you. I love that. Yeah. And I wish that that, I mean, I feel like that is the one takeaway from this interview is like, I wish I had done that earlier. I wish yeah. that I had said like, I'm going to make this happen myself. Yeah, but you also like did. I mean, yeah, sure. Like, it's, it, just, it just took me a long yes. fucking time to go like, oh, so yeah. that's yeah. what this is about. I can make a video and then sell tickets to do that video. Yeah. Yes, it's true. Um, are you are you parenting? Are you by yourself now? Do you have help? Um I, I mean uh
1: I ha, yeah, I do have I have uh I'm quarantined with my son and then uh also like my nanny is at her home quarantined with her daughter and like so she comes here to help. Like that's how I can do this, so she comes can, and helps yeah. during the week. Um but yeah, I'm like with him alone a lot, you know, and I get up with him every day and, and all that sort of thing. Um so yeah, it's very strange. Like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's yeah, it's strange becoming a single dad and then all of a sudden being like, "Oh, also now there's a pandemic." Like all the things you were going to you thought you were going to do to sort of make it through this uh, weird time, you now like can't do any of that you have to hide in your home with like as much like frozen chicken as you can. It's so, got to
0: it's got what it, did I know that you said in the, in the in the in the documentary that nothing's off limits with comedy what's the and and every and now's the time when you should laugh the most what's the first joke have you written any jokes about being a single dad being by yourself
1: um don't know like like i i might have i i like i was at one point just trying to write down things that were happening and ideas and stuff like that um but uh i like haven't looked at them in a while like i was going to do a show now like Two weeks ago, or something like that, and that obviously got all canceled as everything did. Um, so I think like I'll probably write jokes and write things about all this stuff, you know, as like whenever we're allowed to perform again.
0: So I don't know, July or of either now or 2022 or whatever. That's uh, yeah, I, I feel, I've I'm panicking. When do you think this when do you think this uh quarantine is going to end? I mean. I think basically
1: like it'll end when we can test enough people that we can control it and we can know who has it, which includes testing asymptomatic people. So I think right now, like the U S is testing like 150,000 people and needs to be testing probably between five and 700,000 a day. Um, and I think once we can do that, like there's no point in reopening anything. If like a week later, like we'll have to start over. So we just need to, like, you know, I'm hoping that my son can go to school in September. You know, I don't think, like, I don't know. As a single parent, I'd be like, this better fucking open in September. Well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, like, say they were to open, what, like, schools back May 15th for a week. Like, who the fuck is that for? Like, (laughs) who wants to send somebody to school for five days to see if they can't get a virus? Um, (laughs) Like, so I feel like this will end when everyone takes it seriously and when the, and basically when the government can test enough that we can isolate it and go like, cause cause right now, like we're about to hit the peak, like in, in hot current hotspots, but rural areas are just starting to get it. And, you know, some like, you know, a lot of places like, you don't, they don't have like if two doctors get sick, they're fucked. And, and I think like that has to be dealt with in like a serious
0: way to save the save people and then that was was my problem with people leaving the cities was that you're going to a place that has one ventilator i understand that you have a vacation home there but if you bring it from the city and and infect that area then you are that that place has one ventilator so like now what's you need to stay put in new york where they have more things to take, take care of more people that was my problem with it but
1: I mean i i yeah i don't know i think it's just like it depends on the people and like you know some people are immunocompromised and like if they live in an elevator building like they should try to go and you know be with their parents like i don't i i don't i think like more than any of that i think like you know the government needs to test enough people to control it so like you know and two months ago we should have started making ventilators and now we should start today or yesterday. You know what I mean? Like like whatever mistakes have been made can't be avoided, but like, you know, you could avoid a disaster in June. And if you want to reopen the economy, you have to make sure that like people aren't afraid to go to restaurants. And the only way they won't be afraid is if they don't think that they'll kill their parents if they go. Yeah. So like Um, whatever you have to do for that is what I think. So I don't know, two or three months of this, and then hopefully it'll be, under control, and then it'll resurface
0: in November, and um, every few months. Fuck! Uh, I'll get you out of here soon. I know you're. You got a busy day. What? Yep. Um. What did you? Uh. What? What are your? I have to ask you, and I know that these aren't like these aren't on brand questions. Are you a Biden guy? Um. I mean, yeah. Meaning, what I what I like like? Yes. Do I? I mean, I guess everyone's a Biden I'm, guy now, but I mean, like, yes. were you, I was curious. It
1: wasn't my first choice, Um, but I like, I mean, in general, yeah, I feel like I think that, that um, like the policies, like he, he, whatever he'll have, like he'll nominate more reasonable um, like Supreme Supreme court justices, like and judges and he'll take a pandemic seriously. Like, 10% of America won't be out of a job because I think he would have listened to scientists and taken it seriously in January and February. You know, I think like kids won't be dying when they're like, like in cages. Like, like I think like there's just, you know, whatever you think of him or his record, I just think like there's certain things that will, just like environmental policy will 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 be better like it will be reasonable like will it be enough i don't know and, and but it'll certainly be a move in the right direction
0: what uh were you a bernie guy originally
1: no i i, I don't like as as someone from russia like that was, yeah yeah so like but but i also think like the truth is i think like everyone has to have health care like i just don't know if like his solution for that was the solution that i think is best but I definitely think like everyone should have healthcare. I think like there needs to be a uh, robust, like the pandemic has shown that there needs to be a robust safety net. Like it can't be like, this society can't survive off of GoFundMes. You know, like we we, we need, there needs to be a safety net. And though he wasn't like my choice, um, I think like a lot of the things he said I think like he was very good at fi- at pointing out serious problems but I don't know if his solutions were the ones that I think are are necessarily the best but um yeah either way I think all of it is significantly better than sort of the what what I think is like the huge failure of the federal government under Trump you know Who's your who's your candidate Elizabeth Warren um I yes that uh, I liked Warren um I thought that she um took like like she's who I ended up, she's who I voted for, though I also like Pete. Um And I thought that she kind of took a lot of the, I, I think she just had a smarter version, a more effective version of some of the, of, of like a of, of a lot of the policies that, that I think. Of her, do
0: you think part. if her and Kate McKinnon's video had come out two weeks earlier, she would have been a presidential candidate? I, I don't think so. I, I think mean, so. meaning like, I, I mean, uh, <laughs> I,
1: I think like, I mean, the, the funny truth of it is, is like with all the people who, you know, um, like 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 a lot of like Virginia, the person who brought out un, un, like huge new numbers of voters was Biden. Like it, it, it's just sort of like whatever you think he is like like he's the one who inspired people like, you know, and I think that that's. In a sense, speaks for itself. Like whether people like him or not. Like he's not who I voted for, but um, he he brought he brought the voters.
0: Yeah. Now, um, well, is there anything I left out in this interview? Obviously, I would love. I would love. Uh, I, I I think many people uh, never got the opportunity to meet your wife. I would love maybe if there's a way that you could tell everyone about your your wife, Katie, if you can. She seemed to be a big, a really really big part of your life. And and in the movie, obviously, she's your wife, yeah. but uh, it's it 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 made me very angry. I was very angry at the end of your movie. I mean, you
1: know, I think like she, you know, in a sense, she was sort of like the strongest you know person I'd um, ever known. She um, she was just so like resilient, and we made a point of having as much sort of happiness as we could. Um, you know given everything um and yeah i don't know she just was such a sort of funny resilient uh great person and it's you know so weird and sad and it's weird and sad that like the movie is out and she's not here and like yeah. you know but um also that was like kind of like you know we knew that it would happen it just kept always seeming months a- away or or more and then how long did she how long
0: did she fight? so uh, she
1: had so she you know she, basically she had had cancer like starting like nine years ago, but then uh, you know, and briefly for about a year didn't have it, and then it came back, and then once it came back for the last six years, it was terminal. but it was terminal with a lot of possible treatments, and she had done you know maybe fifteen or so different treatments and and in about a year, you know, so now like, A year and several months ago like you know november of i guess 2019 or so um or no of 2018 um november of 20 i think 18 or so her like her medicine had stopped working and she was being switched to a new treatment and she had sort of said like do you think this is my last christmas and the doctors were like you know we uh you know odds are it is your last christmas but we'll try to beat those odds and and they did they did beat those odds you know she lived for another full year um we got to do a lot of great things she got to spend time with ollie as him becoming more of a person and like you know really interacting and and all that um and then she was on you know a new treatment you know about a year later and it and, and again with these things like it takes time so it takes about the same amount of time to know if it's working is to know it's not working and they had always said that you know once it seems like a treatment will hurt you and shorten your life as opposed to lengthen your life like that's basically when you stop and so you know that's that that like after she basically went into the hospital and she'd gone in a few times um you know for various things and we were hoping that she could be made better and then get a new treatment but it was clear that like that sort of the symptoms she had were the disease and not like side effects of something but again you know you're sort of doing your best but um so yeah i I mean like i think just she was she just persevered and was i don't know like um just so strong and, and and just like funny and i don't know just like yeah
0: it was, uh, it was her, I, it was, she was in the movie at the perfect time, at the perfect, it didn't, it didn't overwhelm or, or cut out how funny the movie is. The movie is hilarious. I want everyone to go watch it because it is a hilarious movie about a group of comics that did their own thing and have been doing their own thing. It, despite whether or not the industry was paying attention or not, you guys like and and I think they have uh, primarily, I think everyone in there is a name that's very recognizable, but it's interesting to know that you guys would have done that had the industry not recognized it and and it's super inspiring as a comic, but it's a fucking hilarious movie the stand up and it's great the you working on your cancer cards is so fucking funny you you not you bombing with that joke and I loved I loved when you tried your bailout that had worked the night before and you missed said it because yeah, so yeah. many... Well, that
1: bailout was meant to be part of the joke, like meaning it wasn't, it was just meant to be, like yeah. that was a thing. But then the next time it seemed like it was, a, it was so funny that I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure this is funny. I'd eventually, and it's not in the movie, but I eventually
0: turned that into one of the cards and it worked pretty well. Oh, it, but the fact that <clears throat> any comic lit watching knows the, oh shit, I've said something too early fuck now that's not and then you going back to her my my part that i mean killed me was katie and my wife were identical in the way they received a husband who had bombed and it was like it just wasn't funny (laughs) yeah yeah. 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 i was like i mean I, I, i i i i fell in love with her in that movie and and when she said that i the the candor she had when she said you know i'm my concern is that Ali won't remember who I am. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. It was, um, Yeah. it was an, it was an amazing, amazing movie, Eugene. And I want to thank you, thank you for sharing that. Cause uh, I think a lot, I know, I, I don't know if I would have, I think, and by the way, I don't know if I would be able to do what you're going through. I, I think I would be very angry and I might be drunk right now doing this podcast. I don't know, I, you know? Well, I mean, I think like, you know, everybody has to do what they have to do. Like, I
1: mean, not that I'm recommending you be very drunk during your podcast. I just mean, like, I don't, like, I have to be here for me and for my son. In a sense, we're both here for each other. So, like, I just can't, like, meaning, like, I have to make him food. I can't, like, drop food on the ground. That's what
0: I'd be angry about. I'm like, I don't want to cut hot dogs. What the
1: fuck? Well, it's no, it's a good, I think, like, in a sense, he's as much here for me as I am for him. Like, I, I think, I think, I think we're, you know, helping each other a lot.
0: It's awesome, man. Well, uh uh thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I Thank um, you very much for having me. Uh, dude, I've been a fan for a long time. It's bummed me out that we've never met or gotten so to hang when out. This is all over.
1: Maybe me and Jeff Tweedy could swing by one of your
0: shows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the uh <laughs> my wife goes, The <laughs> so what my wife goes um uh I I'm really bad at interviewing people. And so a lot of times I'll just sit with my wife in bed and go like I'm talking to Eugene I'm like what do I want to say? She was like, "Well, and she always goes, what do you want to ask him? I go, I really want to ask him if his wife ever saw the machine story. And she's like, Don't fucking ask him that. And I was like, well, no. I don't know what the what's the machine story. It's a perfect way to end this interview. <laughs> it's the perfect way to end this interview. Uh, she saw a lot of a
1: lot of sitcoms. We watched a ton of sitcoms over the last few years. Like, mm-hmm. like Mary Tyler Moore wrote a New Heart was what we were on. Uh, really? Yeah, watching it all the way through. Yeah, Family Ties. Like, she would basically, every morning, she would just plow through different sitcoms. It started, like, now a few years ago with Dick Van Dyke as her, like, pain medication would kick in. And then we've watched all of Golden Girls and so many. And that's, like, so that's what we would watch a ton of. Uh, It was very relaxing. It was a very nice way to start
0: mornings. That's like a warm blanket for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we started every morning with, like, basically going through some old sitcom and watched a lot of them.
0: Yeah, ah, well uh I appreciate you doing this man uh i'll I'll let make sure I spread the word about your movie if you ever have anything thank to be please feel free to think of me as a as a uh as a fax machine sure
1: fax I'll machine. definitely let you know in the like in a few years when we're allowed to make things again <laughs> I'll definitely <laughs> let you know i think you're thank you very much brilliant. thank you so much for having me on. this was great this was really fun yeah. thank you what was it what was your expectation of what this would be like? Did you I think of, this? I didn't know. I assumed it would be something like what it was. Okay. You're so fucking different than I
0: am. You have no idea. Like, um, I, like my, probably, brain, my brain is always five steps ahead of everything, so I'm always trying to, like, predict, and you're just, like, in the moment, like, oh, I thought it was going to be like it was. Yeah. I mean, I... But but if... I would tell you if I
1: didn't think that. Like, meaning, like, I just thought it would be a conversation with you asking normal questions. <laughs> and, like, some joking around. Um... <laughs> Wait, like, just
0: out of curiosity, had you ever heard of me before this interview?
1: Um, I I would say like I've se- I think I've like seen uh, <laughs> like I think I've seen images, and maybe I've seen actually some of your stand up like on you know how Instagram will um show just like these random clips or something if you go to the search. So I think I've like seen it, but but I don't know much. Um, um, but but I do know that you you believe you are a broy comic and that you're very nice
0: very nice that's all i that's all you need to know <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll dig deeper if you want <laughs> no you don't need to it was good talking to you brother thank you so much of you take right. care bye-bye